Welcome to the podcast, People More Interesting Than Me. I'm your host, Michael Strumsky. Today, I have Tahila Alani, a former Israeli national female judo champion and boot camp instructor turned entrepreneur, CEO, homeopath, and extrasensory business consultant. As a widowed single parent, she has had to navigate life's challenges and come out stronger on the other side. Enjoy. First off, the most important thing, how do you pronounce your first and last name? Um, Tehila Aloni. Okay, Tehila Aloni. Did I say that right? That's as good as it gets for non-Hebrew speakers. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to write that down phonetically for me, just so I don't mispronounce it. So what time is it currently now on your side? Uh, five past three. Five past three. Hmm. And your what, what's on your side? Right now it's eight a.m. Mm, okay. <laughs> Starting. You have and you have two kids, right? Yeah. I have two kids as well. But how yeah. how old are yours? Six and three. Six and three. So I have a two and a half and a eight month old right now. Oh, good luck with that. Yes. So I, <laughs> so as you know, it's it's like well, just as any parent knows, like six and seven i guess it depends on the children but six and seven a.m is like usually like that's your automatic alarm clock (laughs) like you don't even the funny thing is you don't if you sleep past six or seven you know there's a problem somewhere (laughs) yeah like it's like when you when you wake up late and you feel well rested you know you're late you're late for work before children (laughs) can you kind of tell me when uh we uh, connected the biggest thing i thought was really cool and i know a couple people who uh was in the the u.s national uh judo like olympics in the u.s and the funny thing is you never see it with the people you know what i mean like you look at them and like you never know like it would pack like that person would pack such a a big punch and the other thing is like nowadays a lot of like big celebrities and CEOs are doing it. Like, uh, have you seen like Tom Hardy just participated in, I think, uh, I think it was jujitsu, but he was in a competition in like England. And then you've got Mark Zuckerberg, um, I think did that as well, like won a competition. And I just think it, it just goes towards my uh, idea that like you don't, well, Tom Hardy is very muscular and and big but mark zuckerberg the uh the coder is also like trained himself so what made you get into that well i i when i was four i had a a neighbor an external neighbor a girl and she was in judo and she used to beat me up so (laughs) So, i decided i also wanted to go to judo and my mom said you're too young next year you can go so I waited very impatiently, <laughs> and the next year I was there, and that's how I started judo at the, at the age of five. So did you did you do it because it fascinated you, or did you do it because you didn't want to get bullied anymore by this girl? I I don't even remember. I was just I just decided that's that's what I was going to do, and I must admit I didn't even enjoy it, but I just kept on doing it. There was just something pushing me to do it. I enjoyed it, but I didn't, you know, it wasn't like a passion or anything like that. And over the years, it became a part of my identity. And then when I became uh, the national champion and I was on a national team, then I already started enjoying more, but I was more enjoying like 
the social side of it, flying abroad. I used to fly abroad all the time, you know, to uh, training camps and competitions. So I love that. I love not having to go to school. <laughs> so it was more like what's around it. And I, and I love winning. But the thing is that winning is just like this one second where you win. And then you still have to, then you have to go back, you know, to the grinding board and train again. So it's it's a huge, you know, sense of satisfaction when you manage to like throw the perfect, uh, you know, epon that's in judo, that's the perfect throw. But it, and it tastes so sweet, but it doesn't last very long. So <laughs> it, it's funny the way you describe it. It kind of makes me feel like you're uh, like a savant for it. And you're you're just like you have a gift for it, the way you're describing it. And then it just flowed for you. And do you get what I'm saying? Like, you know, those people who but are just no, naturally good. I, was, I, I don't think I don't necessarily think it was. I was just like just very determined. And I kind of kept on doing it. And uh, I might have been, you know, I suppose I, I I had a talent, but it was a lot, a lot of hard work, but it just became part of my identity. And I, at the time, I wasn't questioning it. Now I, I'm at my age now, I question everything I do. And I always make sure to that short term goals meet long term goals. But it sort of when I was young, it kind of was like sort of a kind of like inertia. sort of the force kind of takes you when you're rolling with it. And that's, and I remember when I had to quit after I, I I injured my knee and I was on the phone with, with my ex-boyfriend at the time and we were talking for hours and I was like, how will I quit? This is part of my identity. Whenever someone introduces me, it's always, yeah, you know, this is, she's That's a judo champion. Yeah, exactly. That was my thing. That was the what made me special, you know. I was doing it since age of five till 18. How was I going to quit? Even though I hated it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was suffering and I didn't like the competition. I, I didn't like it. It was training. Every time I used to start training, it used to be like two and a half hour training sessions, one and a half hour tra training sessions. How early would twice you have a, to wake twice up? Twice a day. Yeah. Twice a day. I was just like, I was spitting blood, literally. But <laughs> I didn't know how to, how I was, how I was going to get out of it. And it was part of my identity. But the fact that I injured, I, you know, in, somehow I think the injury was a subconscious choice. To let me off the hook because I, uh, the country had invested in me, coaches were invested in me. I was, you know, so many people invested in me, and I couldn't just leave and say, "Listen, I've had enough." So, so once I, I injured my knee, I sort of had a justification uh, of why I can leave, and it was a huge step for me. So I remember it was the night just before um, um, uh, Sylvester, you know, New, New Year's Eve. Yeah. And I was joking with my friend, I think with, you know, with my ex and we were saying, you know, I think it was 98 or 99, 98 judo champion, 99 former judo champion. <laughs> so that was when I made the switch during that phone call in the night. That's when I sort of made the decision that I would quit and then I would do something meaningful in the army because at the time I was in the army, but I was, you know, at the status of an excellent athlete and I wasn't doing anything close to meaningful. And then I decided I was going to quit, but I was going to do, I, I wanted to become a, a boot camp instructor for new recruits. Uh, and then I, so once I decided that, I, I put all my focus on, on becoming that because the army usually doesn't give you more than one course mm -hmm. in the beginning. And I already had received my course. So I had to start pulling strings and, you know, starting to put a lot of pressure. 
on, on the right people in the army to actually get me uh, to be, so I could become a bootcamp instructor. So that's what I just shifted my focus. So I had, at least I had another goal. So I wasn't just going to sit and, you know, wallow in it. <laughs> uh, and that's when I made the change from being, um, I always say, an individual athlete, especially high level, is someone who's very egocentric and egotistical because you have to focus on your success only and it's a zero-sum game. And by becoming a boot camp instructor for new recruits, especially I was um, a new recruits, new male recruits from difficult backgrounds, it's a thankless job. And you just, and you have to be completely selfless and just give it your all, you know, sleeping three, four hours a night. And it was very difficult, but it made me such, it made me make that shift. It enabled me to do that shift from someone who's, self-centered and self <laughs> yeah focused in order to you know be in that position when i'm i'm actually giving to people who really don't appreciate it <laughs> yeah no i definitely see that and i guess the thing that uh that fascinates me with israel is the fact with the conscription service of like two years for every um individual what what's your opinion? Three, years, three years actually is, is it, okay i read two uh, two two for women three okay. for men so what do you what's your opinion on I guess like other countries like especially like the US where we have such a strong like military but we don't require it what's your opinion I think the army look the army doesn't suit everyone okay but I think it does a huge thing for Israeli society who was whoever does go through the army it makes you grow up so quickly in such a so, short amount of time it gives you an opportunity to have, to have uh, take responsibility and to do things that you would never actually do as a civilian or as a young person that age anywhere else in the world. I think it's a huge opportunity opportunity to grow. It's very painful, but like most painful opportunities, if you take it to the right place, it, it's very good for you ultimately, and you learn a lot. So like I said, it's not suitable for everyone, but for most people, it does a whole load of good <laughs> yeah so i think it's highly recommended and i think israeli society wouldn't be the same uh you know for the better or for worse with without that but i think mostly for the better okay and obviously you said you were working with the boot camps what is i guess what's the the hardest thing that people have to pre prepare for coming into it like what's what do you see as the biggest milestone for them i guess being, you know, losing your freedom, that's, you know, being told what to do at every single given moment of the day. <laughs> that losing complete control of your time and, uh, you know, being bossed around by people that you don't necessarily, uh, you know, think much of, to say the least. Um, doing things that you might find stupid, but being forced to do them. You know, not to mention leaving home, and those are the things that some people are relieved to leave home, but others, you know, depends on the conditions and your surroundings. And uh, if you're in combat, then you have the whole uh, combat situations, which are very traumatic. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's, <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah, no, I I can definitely tell. Like, and just digging into i guess all the aspects of your life i mean you're an entrepreneur you've got your hands in a bunch of other stuff and you're a single parent like how do you find the time like i have two children and i'm 
working and doing a podcast, but still like I find maybe like 30 minutes to myself. I, how do you do it? Well, I think your your kids are very young, so it's difficult to find the time at, at that age. Um, but I, 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 I'm very planned. I'm very organized. Uh, so I have time slots for everything. <laughs> I work with lists. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, everything's written down. Everything's listed. Everything's planned. Um, and I also plan my time with, with my children. So I, I, when I'm with my kids, I'm completely with, you know, I'm only with them. I have different hats, but I make sure to stick to my role uh, and not to mix different my different roles at different times because that creates chaos but when i when i've got when i'm with my kids i'm 100% with them as much as i can cuz when i see even if i take a phone call that's related to work then things already you know the vibe changes and things uh start to get out of hand so if i'm completely dedicated and present at the moment in my present role that's when things work uh so that's how that's how I do it but it does take a lot of planning and I make sure to put them to bed by seven half past seven so that's I think that's a key <laughs> yeah yeah key I, factor, having having like a bedtime routine makes all the difference yeah it's always that uh you always you always want to think it's seven and then there's like I don't know they, they try yeah, every call yeah. so it's half past seven, you know seven half past seven it usually doesn't they want to say goodbye. They want to say goodnight to everyone in the house. They want a, a cup of water. They, uh, you know, they they try to pull out everything in the book. Yeah, but I think when if you if you determine and you keep on, it's just like with the boot camp instructor. When I was a boot camp instructor, you just have to keep keep the same line, be very determined, be very clear, and not you know not give an inch. If you give an inch, then you you've lost. <laughs> so, <laughs> so do you think that? Uh, you would put your uh, have you started putting your kids in judo um not yet but i am considering it for next year for my six-year-old okay. uh, daughter i think it's very i wouldn't want her to become a professional judo uh that was my uh, next question do you I want think, her to no i don't need to go to professional because uh, um i think professional is very tough on the body and there there's also weight cuts which are very unhealthy but i think uh, as far as uh, self-confidence, uh, self-defense, uh, intelligence, uh, judo is great for for developing, you know, the physical aspect. And I, I think it's, it would be a good start. So I would like her to do that just for a few years, just to get the foundation. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I'd like to go professional. <laughs> yeah. Having said that, she's very similar to me, my daughter. So <laughs> I don't know That's where she'd take it. <laughs> After when you first started boot camp, how did you, I guess, branch out from that? Well, I, I branched out after after I the I I was uh, like I said I was in the boot camp for uh, new male recruits, and then I it was really difficult. Um, and after that, I became a commander in a course teaching other women to become boot camp instructors. So I taught you know, what I knew to, I moved, you know, I passed on the information and the knowledge to, to the next generation. So I was very happy doing that because after working with completely non-motivated soldiers, suddenly I was working, working with these hyper-motivated girls, which wanted to do what I did and they wanted to learn from me. And I felt I could give all this knowledge and it was uh, appreciated. They were really listening this time. They weren't yeah, exactly. just trying that to was... check off a box. <laughs> 
no they, yeah exactly though so that was a very refreshing <laughs> refreshing experience yeah no that's awesome and i guess being a single parent do you feel like you have to take on much more responsibility for your children not on a like like we said like a time basis but that you have to instill the values of two parents or do you feel like you just have to give a lot more because it's just you i i don't know you see um my husband passed away two years ago um and i've i i i've never thought of it that way i sort of like i i just do what needs to be done um i don't think it's uh productive to start thinking what if and uh start quantifying what I'm giving. I just do what needs to be done and I do it the, to the best of my abilities. And I make sure to keep keep learning. I go to, you know, parenting courses and I just keep on growing and developing myself in 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 every respect that I can. Because I don't think, you know, life, I think the way I see it, you know, God gives you um, the experiences you need and the lessons in life in order to build your unique skill set so you can bring what you need to bring into this world and uh we develop quite well under you know through challenges unfortunately um and it, it's not easy but i've grown and i've learned so much and, and i can see that this unique skill set that i've developed through my life experience you know 2020 hindsight that, <laughs> but looking back I see that it's brought me to who I am today. And today I am in a position where I feel that I, I can see, I can help a lot of people um, thanks to my, like I say, my unique skill set. Okay. So it's part, of, it's part of the journey as a soul, I suppose, in this world. <laughs> so I guess with all this wisdom and knowledge, especially from the last, I guess, five to 10 years that you've done, where do you see yourself? What's the perfect job for you? Or perfect position like company wise where do you well, see that's, um the perfect job for me is what I do today <laughs> that's good uh, to hear yeah that's the way I see it um I've been uh I'm the CEO of an access control company I'm I've been a homeopath for the past 20 years you know I've got a, a large clinic where I help lots of people and uh the past few years I've become I've opened the I founded my another business which is called Biergonomy for Business, which is basically where I, I bring also my, my homeopathic knowledge, all the spiritual knowledge I've learned over the years, whether it's Kabbalah, NLP, and other sp spiritual practice and martial arts, and my extra sensory perception uh, in a business consulting um, company. So what I, because from what I understand, what I've been seeing over the years through my homeopathic practice is that um, especially people who own a small business, the business is like their baby. It's a reflection of, of them. And people repeat conscious and subconscious patterns also in the personal life and in their business life. And when I, I saw that when I gave homeopathic remedies to, to business owners, they improved their business. Their businesses thrive. Um, they managed to overcome all different patterns that they that were holding them back. And I decided that First of all, that would be great to apply to any business. So when uh, I work with, uh, with, especially I work with businesswomen. So 
my, my approach is a holistic approach. So first of all, I give the homeopathic remedy in order to help all the physical and emotional and mental uh, things that might be holding the person back and are reflected naturally in the business. And they help them also, you know, a correct, a, a good homeopathic remedy also helps the person tap into their intuition, tap, align themselves with abundance. I just saw it all the time through homeopathy. And then what I do with the, with the biergonomy, which is basically an extrasensory technique, which allows me to influence and perceive the subject that I'm focusing on. Um, I use the biergonomy to also make sure that according to biergonomy, every person, um, every entity, whether it's a business, a bank account, a relationship, a person, an animal has energy field. And once these energy fields are disrupted, that's when, when, you have illness or problems. So basically what I, I do is with the bioergonomy, I make, sh make sure that all the energy fields are intact. And if they're not, I use that, you know, I use the bioergonomy to fix that. I make sure that um, from what my experience, in order to, to go ahead with something that you're, you're doing, to focusing on, you have to have five agreements that, well, I'd say five paradigms that are in place. I'll just, I'll, I'll go with them quickly. I know them in Hebrew, by you know, I have to translate them as I, I do it. So the first thing is I desire. It's something, say you want to open a new business or you want to take on a manager, okay, a CEO for the company. Mm -hmm. So first of all, something that you desire. Um, it's something that you have permission to do. The third one is the something that you will succeed in doing. The first one is something that, um, that, you will, that, uh, that is good for you. And the first one is that it's something that you're worthy of. Because mm -hmm. my experience, when someone doesn't do something in their business, in their life, anything, there's something, it's usually something's off in those five sort of agreements, five paradigms. So I make sure that those five paradigms are also intact. And sometimes it could be, um, there could be many reasons why they, they might not all be aligned. Mm. Um, and after, and that for me is like, making sure that the foundation of the business and the person uh, is, in, is, is working properly. Once you have that spiritual foundation, all the energy fields are intact, we have no blocks. And then I use the extrasensory perception, the biergonomy in order to make decisions. Because as a business owner, you're constantly trying to make decisions, having to make decisions. Should you take this contractor? Should you take a different contractor? Should you go for this sales pitch? Should you go for this strategy? You know, should I hire this person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the biergonomy enables, gives that extra sensory perception and helps business owners make decisions. So I love my business because I love giving this holistic personal approach to the business because I think that business, most people, I'm not sure they realize that a business is something spiritual. So it's a, what we see in the material world is a result of, of it's a reflection of what goes on in the spiritual realm. And once you know how to adhere to spiritual principles and you realize that uh, it's much easier to, to, to influence, I say, reality through those principles. So that's what I do in, in a nutshell. <laughs> so my question is, what, what would you say? I mean, you must get some people come in and they just, they don't believe it. How do you kind of crack their shell? Because you, you probably have. Most, oh, sorry, most people don't. 
Yeah, so so like most people don't believe it. <laughs> so what would you say yeah. to like, or how would you, I guess, what's your method for, I guess, not convert, that's not the correct method, but easing them in? Listen, most people are very skeptical and that's fine with me. I'm not worried about that. Even with homeopathy, people uh, usually come to homeopathy after they've been, you know, disappointed from, <laughs> they've like tried almost everything. Surgeries else. and like Nothing's, all these, like, yeah. Nothing else has worked. They've, you know, they've tried everything. They're, you know, basically on their last legs and they're just looking for something. Uh, that's quite, I, I, don't, I won't say most, but quite a few people come to homeopathy in that situation. And uh, with the extra century, of course, who, you know, it sounds, uh, it sounds completely <laughs> out there. <laughs> because I mean, so, you would probably agree with this. There's probably some people who take advantage of that name and maybe they're, they're not doing a good name to homeopathic. Yeah. Yeah. But you see, like I said, I'm not worried about skeptics because I know that um, I'm very results oriented, you know, especially being with my history of judo and the boot camp, and you know, I'm very pragmatic. And results, the only, I've got people working with me for home, with homeopathy who've been at my clinic and they've brought their family and their kids for the past 20 years. And the only reason they stay is because they see results. They see that it helps them and they, they finally found a solution. Uh, you know, life throws things, challenges at you all the time. And they found a good solution and they stick to it. So, you know, it's just results. The same thing with the, you know, with the extrasensory business consultancy, the bioergonomy. Um, most people start as skeptics, but after, you know, usually after 20 minutes, half an hour, when I, when, when they see that I have, I can tell them information that there is no way in the world that I can, that I, I, I would know. Um, then they start to get convinced and I work with them and over time, you know, as trust builds and they see results and they see, see that it works, that's when they stay. So I'm, I'm not worried about skeptics because it's, it's just part of, you know, it's part of the deal. By the way, you know, um, one of my now colleagues, one of my former students, the reason she studied homeopathy was because she had MS and it helped her. And then she decided to take, you know, to study homeopathy. And now I think she's uh, the chairman of the Homeopathic Association in Israel. Wow, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. So it's just results, especially with things that are so, you know, they sound so airy-fairy and, you know, who? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the the proof is in the pudding <laughs> at the yeah. end of the day. That's why people, people stay in it. Yeah, because over in the United States, some people, when you mention homeopathic, they get like an image of like a hippie and crystals and like, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I, I definitely, I mean, I, it's just like everything. There's a spectrum of like, these people are actually doing good for their, I wouldn't say sector, but uh, I think it all depends on results. Not necessarily you're done with it. Cause usually when you get involved in something like this, like people who are addicted to alcohol, they don't, they're not done with being alcoholics if that you're just always making sure that you're you're in a good state it's not like you're done i'll tell you what with homeopathy we aim for a permanent uh pure you know permanent results so the people that come to me they they usually come with a certain problem you know and thank god <laughs> the that it improves and they stay 
even after the, the, the initial problem is resolved because they, they like I say, they finally found a, a good solution, a good tool. It's always, I keep on telling them, look, it's not that we don't do conventional medicine. It's just that our toolbox has, you've got more choices before you do the medication, the surgery, uh, you check, you know, you, you try the alternative um, solutions, which are, I'd say, which have less side effects, you know, mm -hmm. so the price is the price you have to pay yeah. <laughs> uh, is lower. And you try that. And if, if it doesn't work, you can always do the medication or the surgery and go. So it's not that I'm against um, conventional medicine. It's just that I just think that there, you've got so many choices nowadays to approach different problems. Um, you, you just need to find what works for you. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So let me start with my wrap up question. What is something that uh, your parents did growing up that you'd like to pass on to your children? And what is something that you might want to try or that you're doing now new or maybe something that you don't want to do that your parents did? So um, I think my parents until today, they're always uh, giving me a sense that they have my back. You know, they're like my safety net. They're always present, even if, you know, we had our arguments. I just know that they're my safety net. They're, they're always there uh, to back me up until today. And I think that's a huge gift to come into the world and know that you belong, that you, you belong. You have a sense of, uh, like I was talking about identity, but it's a deep identity and it's a deep connection to you have a family. You've got, you've got a strong family that has your back. And I think that's very important. The, they stood to me also the importance of family. I've got brothers, you know, my brother, my sister. Um, we're like, so it's, you belong to a tribe. So I, I think that's that's very important. And that's why it's very important for, for me to have my kids uh, know the family and see the family and be in contact with the family because the family is like, it's the family. So. <laughs> no, I, I totally get it. And when you say tribe, it... It's it's so true. Just because my my boss always says that because we're a small company where I work, and it's like he says tribe, and it, it just feels more, I don't know, like tight knit. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, I think of I think of Native Americans when I think of tribe or Aboriginals, but when you think about those people, like you know them so well. It's not. I mean, it is family, but in some respects, it's more than. It's hard to say more than family, but you're a community. Like you're just yeah, so tight knit that you fill each other's gaps. You're supporting one another always. Exactly. Because I think a tribe also, everyone has their position. Everyone has their, you know, where you, you know, where you stand in the tribe. You know, there's a hierarchy and everyone has their, you know, you've got the hunter, you've got the. <laughs> yeah. You, you've got a role. But you're yeah, also you being supported by exactly everyone around you to either make yeah. you stronger or support you when you're weak. Exactly. And so I think that's that's hugely important. I think, you know, we're a tribal species and, and it's very important, especially in today's society, which is so individualistic to keep that tribe, you know, that tribal identity. So that's what I, that's what I I want to instill in my children. And in a, what I want to also instill children, which um, my parents didn't focus on so much, is uh, spirituality. Um, is you know being 
having the awareness of that that our life is guided by a higher a higher force and that everything does happen for the best there's a reason why things happen and you're being guided towards your your calling and that that the, the it's a, the journey of a soul and i want to instill that perspective and that faith in my in my children that deep understanding which i think it, it's it's living life um thinking that you know there's a reason for everything it makes it so much easier to 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 accept things that are thrown at you because you know inside you believe it's for the for your higher good whereas if you live life and you think things are just random and you just have to sort of overcome them and you whether it's for you whether it's against it it's, it's a completely different sense of i think trust in the universe and confidence and i think it's very important to to live li life that way yeah it's kind of like a mental shield of armor or or strength or muscle spiritual muscle basically that yeah. way you can kind of it's funny it's like whenever like I, I go to this gym where you set different levels and stuff like that it's very good for my ADHD but if I've already done it before like mentally I can do it physically it's like yeah my brain must I mean obviously it'll take a lot more uh mental muscle for me to do something if I haven't done done it before but it I've done 25 miles already what's 25 miles like a month later because I've already done it and you know and more and more uh research is showing that um your your mindset your state of mind has a huge effect on your overall health and I think and I've also heard you know that the reason why it's called practicing faith is because you have to practice it. <laughs> it's not easy, you know, when you first face with a challenge, you know, and you have to keep on practicing it and applying that muscle and, and practicing that mindset and, until it becomes a part of you and it becomes easier over time. But, but it's not something, you know, it's, it's not definitely depends how you grew up, but it's not necessarily a natural part of, of your being. <laughs> yeah just just i mean just as you know with younger in your life with judo if you don't if you don't practice if you don't lift if you don't your muscles are going to atrophy just like your spiritual muscles like they're going to get weak and so is i guess your your resolve your emotional well-being it's just hard because muscles you can see and you can feel immediately however spiritual stuff and like your emotions and how you feel you can't see so that's so much harder to kind of realize and you can't look at yourself from the outside, but you can look in a mirror. You can't really quantify your own being by, you know, you really have to dig deep in like meditation or like what you're doing with your group. You're you're trying to look at these people and help them look as kind of like a spiritual mirror, you would say. Yeah, I, 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 I know, but I think that... Things are um, are simpler than what we think many times. If you're happy and you feel like this inner sense of, of of peace and quiet, like you feel like you're centered, that's what I think you know one should be striving for. Um, it doesn't have to be um, like like a huge sort of uh, euphoric experience. It's spiritual things are usually more quiet. <laughs> It's like uh, still waters run deep. Um, so 
people are, especially today, with we're overwhelmed. You know, our nervous system is overwhelmed with all these different stimuli, and and it's 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 the small things I think that uh, that you you learn to find joy, and also you learn to use them as indicators as to where where you're at spiritually and mentally. But, yeah. but like it's practice, like like everything else. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you, what what are you working on right now? What what do you want to tell everybody? Well, um, I've got my homeopathic clinic, um, which I'm always working on, and like I said, the the past few years, um, I've started this new business, which is the biogonomy for business, biogonomy for business, which is. For me, it's like the culmination of all all my my skills, the unique skill set that I've developed over the years, where I can bring the spiritual into the material world, and I can give a holistic response, a holistic solution for businesswomen who are looking to take their their small businesses to the next step. Uh, so that's that's my passion right now. I I love doing it because I I just love. I love bringing it sort of all together. <laughs> so if they if they want to look if any of the listeners want to look you up, it's the best one is bioforbiz.com. Yeah. Okay. That's that's my website bio the number 4 biz.com. Okay. And there's also my LinkedIn tilaloni. Um so those are two two good channels to get through. <laughs> okay. Yeah, people check it out. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate this. And I know we have a, a huge uh, time gap between us. So I'm glad we were able to make it work. Thank you. I really appreciate uh, being here on the show. And I, I, I love what you do. I think it's so important. And I wish you health and happiness and a, a long, happy life. Well, thank you. You as well. And, and your kids as well. Because I know what it's like to have two children. And it's like, you have to study your health and their health at the same time. So it's like a seesaw. Yeah, definitely. Especially, but I always say, I don't know how people raise children without homeopathic remedies. My kids, when they sleep, I tell them, oh, you know, remedy, they open their mouth and I pop in the remedy. And <laughs> I don't think, especially after the when they were two years old, I don't think almost a day went by without them getting a different homeopathic remedy. So... <laughs> I think raising kids without homeopathy is, <laughs> is a miracle in itself. <laughs> but yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Have you a too. great day. Bye. Bye-bye. If you like this week's episode of People More Interesting Than Me, please follow me on Apple Podcasts so you won't miss out on more episodes like these.